Adam, welcome to the show. So for those of you who don't know, Adam Whitney, it's kind of weird talking to myself when there's like, I can see you guys there. So I'm going to have to try and something new today. So Adam and I first met like two, two and a half years ago. And we met, well, actually in person in California. He's one of the few people I got to hang out with in San Diego. Um, we first met and he owned a few properties and then he got into wholesaling. And now he has a $100,000 a month wholesaling machine while active duty as a Marine. Uh, he speaks at events. He's uh, does coaching and accountability for, I mean, I, I don't know how, like I get on stage and talked about being efficient and effective and, and not making excuses when you have a W2. And I got nothing on this dude. He's probably rolling a solid 20 hours, maybe 30 hours a week more in his quote side hustle uh, than I was at the end of being active duty. So that's my, uh, that's my short intro to Adam. He's a active duty Marine. He's a fucking badass all the way around. And uh, if you don't know who he is, you just haven't been around the community long enough because you'll you'll see him eventually. Welcome to the show, man. Welcome to the Military Millionaire Podcast, where we teach service members, veterans, and their families how to build wealth through personal finance, entrepreneurship, and real estate investing. I'm your host, David Perret, and together with my co-host, Alex Felice, we're here to be your no BS guides along the most important mission you'll ever embark on, your finances. Vehicle one, you're clear to depart friendly lines. Roger, Vic one, Oscar Mike. Hey guys, if you're looking to take your investing, business, life, or just yourself to the next level, then I have something for you. The War Room Real Estate Military Mastermind Group is a mastermind group that meets weekly in small groups of five to six people to help you hold yourself accountable and really experience that growth. But we also have a monthly guest speaker that we bring in, and we've had guest speakers that talk about mindfulness, taxes, we're bringing in somebody to talk about marketing. We bring in very specific topics that will adhere to very broad, any any kind of real estate investing or investing or entrepreneurship that you want to do, and will really help you out. We let you ask these speakers questions and get very personal with them. And then back to the small groups, weekly accountability for what you're trying to achieve and just being surrounded by like-minded people. And they say your network is your net worth. I know that's an overused phrase. But I recommend that you check it out. So just shoot an email to wrmastermind at gmail.com. Once again, that's wrmastermind at gmail.com. And we'll send you some more information. Hey, man. Thanks uh, Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm glad to come on here and banter with you guys. I'd say uh, <clears throat> thanks for that intro. But the reality is, is I do probably three or four full-time jobs and I'm <clears throat> average at best at each of them. So that's, that's the trick to doing more. Just be average. Oh. Perfect. <laughs> I don't know how to take that. Um, I'm surprised you think you're that good. <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for that from you, Alex. Yeah, I'm probably not, honestly. Maybe I'm average at one of them and below average at the rest. As long as your fit reps are, you know, hourglass, you're good. Yeah. As long as your boss thinks you're awesome, then. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm I'm uh, I'm excited to to chat with you guys, man, and I'm excited hopefully to talk about something that's worthwhile for the audience. Which you know, since Alex is here, I doubt we'll do that. Uh, I'm here to entertain. If you came to learn something, you done messed up. Mm mm. And that's the standard we set for the show, guys. It's what? on the floor. So yeah. what? What do you're I got a question for you? Under the over you impress. Or... You've already been on the show, Adam, haven't you? No, this is Adam's first time. Well, unless we count as like part of a show, long time listener, first time. Do I have caller. to? Do I have to? Do we have to interview him? Can we just hang out? We could let him give like a two minute like. Okay, what, starts right what, now. What, what people care? Starts about. right now. Go. Two minute intro. Yeah. Whatever you think people should know about you. Minute thirty now. Okay. Uh, well, first, obviously, like Dave said, I am an active duty Marine, seventeen years in the service. Uh, started. Seriously investing in real estate in 2017. Um, spent a lot of time doing learning and reading and, and following some of these smart guys like Alex and Dave to figure out what the path was and um, really just picked a path and dove headfirst in it. Last October, I, I wanted in the military, we can't really make more money. It's like you just kind of wait your turn to make more money, which sucks. So 
Um, I was looking at ways to generate capital faster. I knew nothing about flipping or wholesaling properties. And uh, last October, I just decided, you know what, I'm going to try that. And I jumped in two feet in and um, I spent six months floundering, which is pretty typical for things I do. <clears throat> and finally got some traction, got a deal. One deal went to 10 deals and then 10 deals went to me being a co-owner of Blackjack Real Estate, which was already an established company, a bit of a cheat code. And they were doing 100 to 200 deals a year. Um, when I took it over, we weren't doing that, but that's what we're growing back to at this time. So that's kind of where I'm at. Um, Southeast markets, investing. I own rentals in Milwaukee. I've never seen any property I've ever transacted in my life. Uh, you say starting into a company that's already existing is a cheat code. And mm -hmm. I recently did something similar. Um, how do you feel? Uh, is that a... Now, in, in retrospect of my real estate investing career, I think that's like kind of the way to go. Um, I think... I don't want to take your intro thunder, but for me, there's definitely like a lot of ego where I'm like, I'm going to go do this thing. I'm going to make this thing of mine. And then you start, you got to spend a lot of time learning and you get, you make a lot of mistakes that have been made by a million people before you and you learn how to do it yourself. And then you start to get a little good and you're like, oh, I need more people, more resources, um, you know, more knowledge, more sophistication. And now it's either like I need to hire those people, which is a whole other set of complexity in and of itself, or I can check the ego instead of making my own thing and go join like a higher level tier team now that I have some of that experience and get back to learning, get back to growing with, I mean, I'm kind of just projecting what I did, but it sounds like something what, what you did as well. How do you feel about it in retrospect, if you had known at the start where you're like, maybe I'll just, I'll go join something from the get-go? Yeah, I think uh, <clears throat> the key word you said is ego, right? Because we want it to be ours. We wanted to be the one to grow it. It's easy to see social media and go, oh, wow, look at how, look at these guys and their Ferraris and they're doing really great. But I think the reality is, is we're all trying to like get out of our nine to five job um, into entrepreneurship, which is like a 5 a.m. to 9 p.m. job, right? Uh, so I want to quit my nine to five so I can work 24 seven. Yeah, yeah, I've seen a lot of that lately on the internet, but that's I think that's akin mm. to the reality. Like that's that's what it takes in my opinion, especially from somebody who's not skilled or intelligent. Like I need to do I have to grind to get it to where it needs to be to eventually the hope that one day it's providing something for me that gives me the freedom. But to to more directly answer your question, Alex, um I I saw it as first I had to check my ego. Two, I just had to look at the deal. Like, what what's the risk in the deal and joining this team, and what's the upside to it? And obviously, it's clear the upside is like it's already established. You don't have to do that whole one to two years of that. Like, I'm skipping two years worth of work, and now I'm just at a different level. It's still work. more than two years because the company might have been built two years. It was built with the the operator experience that went into that was. Far, yeah. far, far yeah. more. So. Well, it was it was really five years. Blackjack Real Estate's been around since 2016 doing deals. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Like all the my partner Bill Allen, all the learning he did and all the stuff he put into it, even just leading up to that. Yes. So I made a YouTube video about my transition. Um, oh, that sounds weird <clears throat> these days. My uh my He's off job now. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds weird nowadays. Um, I made a YouTube video and it was something like, dude. You know, I'm 38. I can go join another company and I can literally work for this company for 20 years and then start my own company because I have so much. I'm going to live to 120. I don't know if you know this. So, like, I have so much time. And I think a lot of people, myself included, like, I got wrapped up in this, like, oh, I've already done a lot of this on my own. I don't want to go do something with somebody else. But the reality is, I'm like, actually, I can, if I really want to scale, if I really want to get good at life, there's an immense amount more to learn. An immense yeah. amount more to learn. And I'm just now scratching the surface on what I learned. And I learned a lot of my own. And so I look at when you say like it's a cheat code, I'm like, yeah, it is a cheat code. It's the one that a lot more people should take. I just yeah, figured out a, like three years until I know everything. So I don't know why it's gonna take you so long. <laughs> it's it's interesting, uh, Alex. I think um, you know, Jay Scott made a post or said something about this recently. You either have money, time, skills, or knowledge. And you're trading one of those four things for this monetary benefit 
for you to get where you want to go. And, you know, you said I'm 38 years old, but you've, ex- you've amassed all this skill and knowledge over that time, which makes you a valuable asset, which allows you to jump to that position um, where you just entered, right? Because, you know, you spend time in the banking world and you've got your finance skills really sharp. You've been doing real estate for a long time. So you're, you know, you just made yourself an asset that allows you to do that. And I think that's, you, you can't really, you know, so if I'm a brand new investor and I'm listening to Dave Prey and the military to millionaire, and I'm thinking, well, I'm just going to go join a bigger company and take it over, or I'm just going to go join a bigger team. You've got to have some, you've got to better bring some type of value. Yep. Um, well, Oh, sorry, David, please. Oh, you're good. I was just gonna say, yeah, you gotta, you gotta either be able to provide a, a ton of knowledge or a ton of time, right. To be able to save the other guy. Um, if I could provide, well, I have two questions. One, I was going to ask what's Adam's, what did Adam trade, right? What did Bill say? Hey, Adam, this is the right guy. And so the second piece is kind of fitting into that, which is like, I looked at, you know, the company I joined Climb Capital. I'm like, you know what they have? They have a really, really, really great team. That's almost complete. And the gap in their skills is perfectly Alex shaped. And so it worked out well in that regard. And so I guess not to push back, but to elaborate further on what you said, it's like you have to bring skills, but you have to not just bring skills, but it's like, if I want to go work for David Perret or go take over some company, it's like, they better need what you got, but everybody's got something. And so what does Adam got? Part of it is timing too, right? Like that climb capital, they're at the point they need that Alex shaped thing. And for, for Bill and Blackjack, he was moving in a direction and would have had to kind of regress his progress to come back and take care of blackjack the way it needed to go. I happened to be on a glide path and starting to get traction and doing well. Like he's here and I'm here and I'm, I'm going in that direction. He was about to have to come backwards and was like, Hey, I can't do that. My, what are my options? Well, I can take this guy who is just like I was five or six years ago and he's going to put in the work, right? So like work at, he's, he's seeing my work ethic. He's seeing me put in the time and the learning and gaining the knowledge and the skills. So I think it was easy for him to go. Yeah. That, that, that idiot down there, that, that was me five years ago doing that grind. That guy, he's not going to stop until he wins. I'm going to sign him up, see if he wants this opportunity. And honestly, for me, it was uh, it was a no risk opportunity, right? Like I was already on that path, and he said, "Here, here's a thing that's built. It's yours. Work really hard and do good." Like, okay, cool, thanks. Um, so actually, that I think uh, to me, what I hear because this is the way my brain works is I hear network, 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 network. Because the person you need, the person with the you know the listener who's who's sitting there, the whatever is you know whatever your name is, like whatever the your shaped hole in the company, like they're looking for you. You just need to be looking for them. And so when the universe says you guys need each other, you have to always be putting in those networking seeds so that um, this is why I do so much content. So people can find me. So people say, Oh my God, that's the guy that I've been looking for. Um, if you're, you know, quiet and, and reserved and not making any, you're not making any connections. You're just lurking on the internet. It's like, dude, nobody knows you are the right fit for what they need. So a lot of it is being, being out there, being loud, kind of, making posts, being doing podcast appearances, making content, showing up in these communities, adding value. Yeah. And being consistent doing those things, right? Or doing everything you're doing. Because how many people do we see that kind of show up in the social media world or they start a website or they start a YouTube channel and then you don't see them six months later because they realize like the consistent work you have to put in. So you're, you're absolutely right, Alex. You got to, people, people need to know who you are and what you're doing for opportunities to open up for you. Yeah. They say the average podcast doesn't make it past like 22 episodes. Right. Uh, I quit two podcasts. Alex, so. I, had a, I had a question on this uh, puzzle piece theory as an employer. Do you have to take the person that fits that hole? And if so, how do I avoid growing to a size where I get stuck with you? Wait, you are stuck with me. I don't know what the rephrase <laughs> just, the question. I just want to make sure that I never end up with a puzzle piece. That's Alex shaped. That's all I'm saying. Uh, I think people, uh, I, I'm going to, I'll say something. It's kind of, this is kind of pseudoscience, which I generally hate pseudoscience, but um, everybody should go off and take a bunch of those personality Drives. tests because, because they, um, they provide a lot of insight into who we are. They're grossly overused. 
and they can box people in. But if you know you're an introvert or an extrovert, that matters. If you know you're a creative type, high in openness, if you know you have high conscientiousness and a high work ethic, these are good things to know and to know what you aren't. Because I looked at Jeremy's team and I'm like, okay, you got three people. If you look at the, you know, one of the personality tests is the Deloitte Deloitte business chemistry, chemistry test. And it's like a four segment piece. And it's like, they got three and I'm the other four. And it turns out all of us are strong in our areas. Is that like a hard science now? But when you look at it, you're like, okay, I see where my piece is in relation to them. And so understanding who you are is going to understand what your puzzle piece is. So I highly recommend people take big five personality test, Myers-Briggs, Deloitte, uh, business chemistry, uh, which is similar to DISC, but I don't, I don't know DISC. Yeah. Like DISC is a good one. Yeah. And we, them all. We, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're all valuable. It's actually, so that works both ways too, right? Because we do, um, we've hired a bunch in blackjack and the way we hire is we use the who method. So there's a book called the who, and it talks about basically having layered interviews with very specific questions that you're asking to uncover certain things before you even get in the door there. I want to see what your personality profile is to see if you're even made up for that position, right? Like if I'm hiring a sales guy, for an example, you don't want an introvert and your people skills are the bottom thing you have, like, you're probably not going to get the interview with me because I need you to literally be talking to people all day long. Um, so we use it as a screening mechanism as a, as a, um, and in our hiring process. And, you know, even then to your point, it's imperfect, right? I've hired people who their profile was perfect. They answered all the questions like incredibly well. They had the exact experience we were looking for. I called their previous employers and heard the information I needed to hear. I hired this salesperson and two weeks later, he was no longer with my company. Yeah, it is imperfect, but it is. It's like, don't overvalue it. Yeah, it's, it's a tough one for me to give advice to because I'm like, dude, don't overvalue it, but also don't undervalue it. So, yeah, it's, I, it's, I, you know, there's people, no, uh, there's no perfect. So sorry. So sorry. <laughs> I was just going to say, ah, go Dave. <laughs> I just yelled my turn. Well, now say something valuable, Dave. I just, I mean, if I'm going to say something on this topic, what I'm going to say is that I followed Adam's advice for hiring cold callers. And I just ran into this where I hired two and they did all their training. And last week they started and I'm down to one. So you never know. Yeah. I think it's, I think Adam it's more useful for individuals for that exact reason. Oh, that's smart. Yeah. He was like, dude, you might only get one that's any good. So hire two. And I was like, that's a good point. Thank God. Otherwise I'd be really mad right now. (laughs) I actually think it's much less useful for people. It's a really weird um, dynamic. I find those things to be much less useful for understanding other people. Like I can't, if you tell me your test numbers or your test grades, whatever like that, like it's not gonna, I'm not gonna know how to place you. What it really for me is useful is me understanding me. Right. Like I didn't realize that I was like a 99% extrovert. I knew I was a peaceful people person. I knew I was a social person, but I didn't realize that if I'm not around people for more than 24 hours, I start to, my mental health starts to degrade noticeably. I start to get fussy and uh, de- like not depressed, but like negative self-talk. And so like, if I'm not around people, I just, my quality of life degrades quick. And so I didn't realize that until I started taking these tests. And I'm like, oh, that makes That's sense. That's why I'm so miserable all the time, which sounds funny but it's true it's like yeah I, yeah I, i'm i'm i wonder how different our i would imagine our profiles aren't too far apart like adam i did adam's culture index and i came up as a super high influencer and then i do disc and i'm an influencer and so i'm you know the the guy who thrives off people and yada 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 and then at the side the bad side of that is i take everything personally right if somebody says something it's like Oh my God. No. I know this doesn't make sense. No, but, David, yeah. no. So I know David, it's hard to believe. For, for Alex David, is going like, to make the same point he makes on every podcast that I defend my honor and he thinks it's hilarious. So we're going to skip this that is, and move on to Adam. <laughs> he just did it. I just, dude, I, you baited yourself on that one. I love it. He can't even take the criticism that I might have given him. <laughs> how is, how is skipping you? It's, that's well, like, well, let me, I'll, I will Adam, say, you just canceled me. He canceled me on my on my cancel. own show. Yeah, cancel call. I will just say, Alex, it does actually help me knowing all the people in my company's profile. 
it helps me in the way I communicate with them. I'm like running a million miles an hour and I'm a low detail person. Uh, I think probably like you, Dave, right? So I'm like, hey, we need to do this thing. And in my mind, I've got what that looks like, but I don't communicate it. If I don't communicate that to a high detail person, I'm going to get what I asked for, but I'm not going to get what I want, right? So I know my high D, my high detail people, I got to be like, okay, here's what I'm thinking. I, I think X, Y, and then Z, right? Yep. All really good points. And so, yeah, to summarize or to come like, kind of take a step back um, to where we've started, which is there is a lot of stuff here that um, it is often overused, but a lot of times people don't even know it exists. So if you haven't, if you don't even take these tests and you've never seen or never heard of them, it's like go off and spend some time learning about these and how they interact and how they they affect you because there is usefulness there. I do think they're overused once people know them, but if you don't know them, it's like you don't know what shape you are, so you don't know what company you know whole is right for you. Yeah, or you might even be working in a job field that makes no sense for you because. Maybe you enjoy, maybe maybe you think you are good at it, and you just like it doesn't fit. It's amazing how much synergy there is in life if you can kind of try to fit those holes. Uh, so yeah. I, today we've kind of ended up started talking about like the, the we just say cheat code, but like the idea that you don't have to start something from the ground up. You can kind of jump into something that's already you know moving, which I love. Uh, you know, I mean that's why I know Adam does some stuff with interns. I've I've had Skillbridge interns. Uh, I Skillbridge on my way out of the military. Um, and so I love the idea of, you know, like attaching yourself to something else and working with it and potentially you grow into it or you branch off from there. But for somebody who's first starting out, like, I guess the question is that none of us were looking for this, right? Like, I mean, I'm, I didn't jump into someone else's thing, but like, it doesn't sound like Adam or Alex was like out hunting this down. What would you do? Like, what's an actionable way to try to like, if this was something you were trying to do, like just get attached to an established team to gain that mentorship and an opportunity, like kind of advice or what do you think? What What's the answer there? I think that I would have in retrospect. Now it seems obvious. I would have done this probably three years ago. Um, I didn't because literally my ego didn't allow me to think that this was a viable opportunity. I was just like, I'm going to build my own thing. And in retrospect, I'm like, that was so stupid. I should have never even bothered. Not really, not to a high level. I should have said, what is it that I want to do? What's the biggest thing that I can accomplish? And then find the company that's like maybe what I call a close carrot, five steps ahead of me, 10 steps ahead of me. If you want to do multifamily, it's like, dude, don't go try to work for Grant Cardone. I don't think that's going to work out good for you. But there are a million people who are in between that need a body that can, um, that can, that can use you and they, a lot of them are set up in a way they're small enough. They were like, look, go, go work for somebody for free. What do you need? I'll go do it and then run with it. And it's like, once you add value, like that's how Jeremy and I got linked up. It's like, Hey, here's a deal. Hey, yeah. not, let's, let's do more deals. I think, I think, uh, you know what the, the hard part is like, well, a couple of things, one, like everybody who has a, especially a small business, like Jeremy's team, or even our team, who's less than like 15, 20 employees. We, I'm always like, I am looking for a person who can do sales and wants to make over a hundred grand a year and is hungry. Like I'm always looking for that person. Uh, and what we, what we often hear on these podcasts and what we're often guilty of saying is, oh, just provide value and the opportunity will come. But we don't really quantify what does that mean to provide value and uh, and that can look a number of different ways, but I, I I put that question back on you two. Like, what what does it mean to provide value to somebody? Like, what is valuable to you, Dave, and helping you with your content creation, or what is valuable to you, Alex? Is it is it underwriting deals? Like, what is it? I'll tell you what's valuable to me. Uh, it's my time, right? And everyone says that, but I don't mean time like save me time. I mean like. Res- I say that in the way of like respect the time that I've already invested. So if you're coming to me and you're looking to try to add value to me uh, and it becomes evident that you've never read anything I ever put out on the, in the world or watched a YouTube video or listened to a podcast, then like you don't even like if I have to explain to you who I am, right? You don't have any idea how I work. You're not going to know me. You don't know me well enough to know what I need, what I don't need. Like don't come ask what how can I add value, right? The 
I don't want to like without trying to sound like a pretentious asshole. Like I get asked that all the time. I get asked to mentor people. I get asked, you know, how can I add value? How can I do, you know, whatever. And like, the answer is like, find something that is helpful and do it like jump in. It's not like, don't, don't make me stop and be like, Oh man, what am I missing? Cause like, it's weird, but you don't, you don't know what you're missing. Like I, there are so many services out there that I have, you know, I don't know. Right. So then you're asking me to stop and spend energy trying to decide on like what one specific thing I want you to do. And it may not even be something you're good at. And so I think the answer is if you're looking to mentor with like one or two or three specific people, like build a relationship, get to know them and then find that Alex shaped hole. Right. Like Alex wasn't just like waiting around and someone walked up and was like, bro, you know what? we're going to give you a camera and you're going to be awesome at this. Like he, he developed that and then found a team that needed him. So. Yeah. So that's a good point. Um, uh, recently, uh, David partnered with Matt Faircloth, the Durosa group on a big part, a uh, big apartment deal. And I did the video marketing for that. Matt that's didn't great. call me. Yeah. But Matt didn't really call me and ask what happened was a year ago. Um, like, you know what, dude, the internet has given you access to everybody you want to be friends with, whether it's, whether it is Grant Cardone or Matt Faircloth, like, I don't really recommend going to the big fish, go to that, go to that fish. That's five, six steps ahead of you, not 50. Right. So, um, so I go to Matt and like, we're buddies and how are we buddies? Well, because I just know him on the internet endlessly. And like, people don't block people really that if you're being like polite, just obnoxious. They're not going to block you that easy. They'll put up with you. That's how I get in. I just Stockholm annoy people syndrome. until they Stockholm syndrome until they, until they're like, Oh, this Alex guy's not going away. And so I'm like, Hey, um, and so he goes, I'm going to Winston-Salem to do this deal. So I go there, I show up my camera. I'm like, look, I'm going to make you a product that does not exist in this market. I'm gonna make you a high production quality video marketing piece for a deal that you need to raise $6 million in cash. I'm going to give it to you for free because one, I need some of the experience. And two, I don't know, this doesn't exist. This might be really valuable and I'm going to give it to you and we're going to do it together. Turns out it was valuable. Now, the path of the universe didn't really line up that I would go work for DeRosa Group. Didn't work that way. But I'm basically doing the same thing for a different company that did need exactly me. But I have those skills that I can now bring. Um, I did the next, I did the second deal in Winston-Salem that he just did. Um, I did that video. That's one that's um, on David's page now, which came out some of the best stuff I've ever made. Oh, it looks good. Yeah. And and then now, you know, other people start perking up and like, damn, Alex got some skills. I can use him. So I think a lot of it is you know, go find out who it is you want to be and go, you know, just stop, like, do not stop sniffing up their ass. Right. And then don't ask, give, yep. don't be like, what can I, Hey, I'm going to show up. And then it's like, what, what, and look around, what do they need? What do they need? Oh, you need this. Don't ask them how to do it. Don't ask them if they need it. Just go deliver. And so in retro in reverse, I don't want to take up all the air, but in reverse, there's a guy who watches a show um, named Austin Clark, hotshot upcoming YouTuber, highly recommend him. He comes to me and he's like, Hey, I see you doing YouTube and um, I know you're busy. I can take some of that YouTube stuff off your plate. So now he edits a couple of my videos. He does some of my thumbnails. He doesn't add, like, he just shows up and he's like, Hey, what are you, what are you working on? You got a YouTube video I can do, I can work on. Yeah, here it is. Here's some music. Here's a new intro. Here's a new outro. Like here is value. You didn't ask for any of it. I saw that you needed it. And so I think a lot of that is is um you say add value it's like look at somebody and, and look at what they need and then give them the things that they either don't know they need or can't stop like david said to ask what they tell you what they need yeah i think it's like a screening interview too right because initially you're probably not going to invest in austin on like hey let me show you how to put all the settings on do all this stuff but once you see him come in figure some stuff out do some quality work for you now you're probably giving them all kinds of feedback that he couldn't just get access to. Like somebody who's that five steps ahead and you're like, hey, your video would actually get more traction if you did X, Y, or Z um, because he brought that particular value to you. So I think that's where that's where I think people get kind of tripped up. Like, okay, well, how do I just reach out? I don't, a lot of people say, I don't know what value I could provide. And I think that to Dave, your initial point is, well, just look around. If you don't know what value, then you're probably not the right fit. Like you now should look at hard like if I look at Alex, I know he's doing video stuff. Like he's he's becoming an expert at doing video and pictures. And Dave's doing a ton of content creation and real estate. Like 
what is it that what functions are happening in there that I could go take over and know I could crush it, even though I don't know it that well. Yeah. yeah. Who's scheduling all of David's content? That's a pain. Who's scheduling all of David's content, getting it out to TikTok, getting it out to Instagram, getting out emails, getting out Facebook posts, moderating the Facebook chat. That's work. That's work that somebody's going to do. And somebody listening, if you want to get in David's, it's like, go, go volunteer to be a Facebook moderator for his groups. Go volunteer to do all his Instagram posts and schedule them out. Get, it's like, there's so much to be done that can help. And if you just look and say, I want to, I want what David has. Hey, David, like, what can I do so I can get a paycheck? It's like, dude, that's just not the right way. You got to add a lot more value. And that means actually showing up and doing free work a lot of times and being like, okay, I'm going to take on some of David's responsibilities uh, on goodwill. And it's not that hard to think about. It's just like people go, they go one, they go surface level. I'll go ask David. And David's like, dude, I'm not stopping to, to tell you what I think you might be able to, I might be able to create a job for you. I'm not going to do that. I need you to actually just show up and take it from me. You know, what's uh, kind of an interesting point I think is valuable is when I when I jumped into the wholesaling and, and flipping world, wasn't because I love wholesaling or flipping. The money idea was nice. But what I learned was really two skills in real estate will let you dominate any niche. And that is being able to do marketing and sales and raising private capital. Right. And that, those are all people skills. Those are all pe- critical thinking and people skills. It's the same thing as it applies to network, to bring in value to people. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you can do those two things, if you can do, if you can figure out marketing and sales, which is not overly complex, and then you can figure out how to raise private capital, that all just relates to talking and interacting with other humans. Yeah. The rest of it is just operations and underwriting, Boring. which. Which is, well, look, um, okay, but two, okay, like, like, okay, there's three extroverts here and we're probably talking to extroverts. Let's, let's try to talk to introverts, which is not easy because none of us know what the heck that's like. But look, if you're an underwriting, if you're an underwriter, um, or you think you're good with spreadsheets or you're, you want to do that side of the business, um, you know, it's, it's the exact same way. So you call, um, like David is partnering with somebody, but, but, uh, there are bigger deals where it's like, who's their underwriter? Find that person and be like, what are the deals that you at first look you don't think are deals, but you need somebody to comb over them and you don't have the time to comb over the like the, the B tier deals? Let me look at those. Let me look at those and do the spreads and do the and do the and do the risk profile and say, here's what I think. Here's why, yeah, you're right. That's not a deal, but here's where it would be a deal. Maybe we maybe I can put the stretch offers in on deals that you initially pass on. Right now it's spreadsheet work. It's it's you know alone, it's computer, it's 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 not people business. But it's the same exact thing. Or like I said earlier, where it's like, maybe you don't want to deal with people, but you want to do systems. Let me help create email campaigns. Let me help um, do, do social media marketing. Like I don't have to talk to any people, but I can still do a ton of work. Like this is not an extrovert. Like you made really good points, Adam, about but those are extrovert-driven, people-driven qualities. There are introvert-driven qualities too that are in just as much abundance. In fact, a lot of times they're in more abundance because the three of us are bad at them. If you're an introvert and you like details and spreadsheets and you want to learn real estate, give me a call. There will be no self-promotion on this podcast. Gosh, yeah. Alex, you think you weed them out and you still get the guys spamming their stuff. I didn't. I would never have had Adam on the show. I mean, this is- Hey, listen. Hey, for, for, for $997, I will sell you something. I guarantee you it's a million dollar value. So you're getting a discount. Yeah. How much time does that million dollar value have to take? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you got to go rent a McLaren. And a million then, years. <laughs> uh, a great example of what you just said is Jake Bolin. I don't know if either of you know him too much, but Jake, while he was a student, he's been a guest way back going on the podcast. Uh, when he was a student at the Air Force Academy, uh, he got really good at underwriting deals. So good that he ended up going for free to like the Michael Blanc events and helping people analyze deals. And then he got small percentage equity in deals for helping underwrite and analyze deals for these uh, syndicators. And then now he does it, you know, he's got his own thing, him and Blake Daly partnered up and they own a bunch of stuff. Um, But I mean, he literally got his start by being like, wow, I'm amazing with Excel. Actually, I don't even remember if he was, he may have created that skill set for this, but created some crazy spreadsheets, added a ton of value to people. Next thing you know, he owns you know, small percentage stake, but in two, three, four hundred doors uh, with no money invested as a student at college. 
I love that because he said the same thing that um, Adam, I said from the start, which is he didn't start his own thing. He joined, he joined somebody else's thing and skyrocketed it ahead. I think in retrospect, now that I'm like kind of looking at this whole, our culture, I think the entrepreneur culture, like everybody's an entrepreneur mindset actually hinders people because some people, you know what, dude, I'll be a good entrepreneur, but it's going to take me, I'm not going to be a good entrepreneur until I'm about 50, 60. Because of the way my my personality is, I look at it now, I, I think that's what will happen. Is I'll start creating my own stuff when I'm 50, 60. I have a lot of resources and a lot more confidence. Like right now, I really am happy to be in a place where it's like, dude, I can keep learning. And it just took a little bit of an ego check straight up. It really did. Also, it helped that um, for anybody that's out there, um, it helped that the company was named Climb Capital and not if it was named Jeremy Hans Capital, I would have never done it. So name your company something that other people can buy into. Because nobody wants to build David Perret's thing. They'll build Military Millionaire. They'll build Blackjack Capital. They'll build Climb Capital. But they will not build Alex. Yeah. Alex's ego investment firm. Yeah, the, the, you know that's an interesting point about the the. We've got this really robust entrepreneurial solopreneur um, culture right now, and I think what and, and it and it feeds itself. It's like a self licking ice cream cone, as we like to say in the military, right? Uh, but it feeds itself, right? Because it's like hustle, grind until you have your breakthrough, don't ever quit. But the reality is, is there's a, a there's far more failed entrepreneurs or broke entrepreneurs than there are successful entrepreneurs because it's not, what, what you find in entrepreneurship is like, you can only do so much by yourself and then there becomes a real business component to it where you do have to build a team and then you do have to manage it like a business and you do have to do all the business functions in order for it to go where you thought it would go, right? And it becomes less of a, I'm just going to grind my way through it until I have that big breakthrough, right? So yeah, they, know, there's, a, there's a business component that it needs to evolve to typically to get to where you want to go. There are far more failed entrepreneurs than successful ones, like 99%, right? And so this whole like hustle never stop thing, I'm like, that actually might be bad advice for most people. You actually might just fail and be stuck with it. Um, there's a lot to be said for... Uh, and so the second piece of that is, this is a business. When I started my real estate journey, the goal was... My original goal was 10 properties in 10 years. That was my goal because I, kind of I was kind of a disaster when I started, right? And so it's like, I'm creating, I'm creating a, a, a real estate portfolio that's going to fund my retirement. It was no business. It was no entrepreneurship. It was just like, dude, I need safety net because I'm a, I'm a night, I'm a, I was messing up in life. So I was like, I'm going to get, I'm going to create a safety net so that I don't have to, um, so I don't have to grind the, the nine to five for my whole life. Well, I got, I ended up getting eight houses in three years, nine houses in three years. I went way faster. And I was like, Ooh, there's something else here. I am a little bit entrepreneurial, a little bit. Right. So then I started getting apartment buildings. Then I'm like, this is a business. Now I'm like stuck in this thing where it's, it's, I'm not that, I'm not that entrepreneurial where I can be the head of this big company. I'm not that guy. I'm not built that way. And, but I'm also now in a, in a space where I can't do it alone. It's too big to just be a retirement. Like I'm in a weird quagmire. And so for me, it was like, join a company because this is a team sport. There is nobody doing good. There's no solo business that's big. That's got you got teams, you got people, and like you have to really know what part of that, what time part of that team you are. And then the second piece is you have to really know that you have time because if you join that team, if you're trying to do it at 25, it's like, dude, spend 10 years learning because there's a lot to learn in business. And sometimes you know, checking the ego and, and learning from people who are better than you, and then coming back to it when you have more skills and doing your own thing is the way to go. What What's funny about that too is like most people they want to take off those nine to five handcuffs and and not have that same kind of like commitment and responsibility and do it on their own. And then to your point, if you are the one leading it and you do grow the business and you do have a team, you kind of got the handcuffs back on because now you're responsible for the team. And I mean, you got people working for you. Golden handcuffs. You. Yeah. I mean, of yeah. course you're making money, but you got these people working with you. And I mean, their livelihood is dependent upon your ability to be the CEO of a company. You got more yeah. responsibility than before, right? And that's you know what I'm saying that that'll that'll weigh on a lot of people. Not everybody's built for that. Yeah, uh, I'm not. I like no. My- there's a couple of reasons wins. why 
everybody fails when it comes to entrepreneurship, right? Like there's the piece that a lot of people can't handle being 24 seven. A lot of people can't handle losing money or not making any money for potentially a long time until you're in the green, right? Like, and so I'm reading this book right now called buy then build. And I say reading, it's an audio book. It's, it's, it's all right. It's not what I really needed to hear or what I thought I was going to get out of it per se, but it has some really good points about why you would look at buying a business rather than building a business. And a lot of it is this, right? Like the initial startup headaches have been overcome and you're able to work with a team, right? That already has a culture and already has, like, it's a lot easier to tweak things with an established team than it is to build from scratch and have no idea where the hell you're going, especially if you're as just undetail oriented as I am. Yeah. I don't know if I would say it's a lot easier to tweak things, having just experience inheriting a culture that I didn't build. Uh, but it does, it does start you from a different jumping point and you still got to solve problems. You still got to inculcate a culture, even though it wasn't yours. And sometimes uh, what what comes with that is there was a culture. There'll be leftover people. There'll be people who are resistant to your change. And you make no mistake, you're coming in to make change to grow. And those people you may have to get rid of, and you may have to bring new people. And anytime you bring somebody new in, it steps you back because now you got to train them, you got to commit time to them, and then oh by the way, sometimes they don't work out, so you got to start over. So it's still hard. It's just different. And now you have a machine that's potentially producing you profits and money already, which is great. But you know, it, it all it all comes at a cost. And I think um, to kind of go back to that initial point is this this like entrepreneurial culture just sees the check, sees the McLaren, sees the sees Alex in his pink shirt and all the cool shit he's doing and all the awesome places he's traveling and he cut it up i know i know i, yeah, I was gonna say he's 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 he sold out he moved out on life i sold out yeah i sold out the pink no shirt, more, the no more pink that shirts. i started i uh yeah we'll see i said a lot of things but who knows i might wear the pink t-shirts anyways just to fuck with people. at least you had the pink logo <laughs> yeah um yeah i definitely think there's an element of ego and i definitely think there's an element of impatience where it's like i gotta go build this thing now and be the next you know somebody when in reality i'm looking at it i'm like I know my brain well enough now at 38. And I know there's a 25 year old listen that is just not going to have the same relatable experience. But I know my brain now, my brain's going to be, I'm going to be most valuable when this joker turns white. That's when I'm going to be most valuable because my my value is in creative ideas, communication, and those are hard to monetize at 25. You know what's easy to monetize at 25 to 30? Labor, grind, <laughs> work, work. If you got a good work ethic, you're going to do great. If you got if you got a good brain, you might not you might take a little bit longer lead time to find a way to monetize because um, being smart is actually far harder to monetize than going out there and swinging hammers or or just going in and doing the grind. I'll tell you this though: if you're a detail oriented person and you're looking for a way to tag yourself in on a team, not all, but most people who start something are similar to myself or or what Alex is saying or Jeremy or you know you name it where they're like what Adam said earlier right I I want you to do this thing and I don't know what that looks like but have fun figuring it out right like and so if you can be that detailed or organized person who comes in and takes the chaos that is their life and streamlines things and there's your way into a team that's already starting to grow. You find the guy who's who's at that point and you organize their life and entrepreneurs are generally uh more creative type people and creative, you know, people that score high in openness on the big five personality tests generally um score low on details. And so if you got an entrepreneur type, it's like go link up with them because they're they're right. Like David, my and Adam's life, I'm betting that. If you look at it on the surface, it's like, yeah, we're going places, but the details, the day to day is like a nightmare. Maybe even what's worse than a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. <it's>, a, <laughs> a jet is supposed to spray one flame out the back. And right? so, Not and like so all, all three of us probably need full-time assistance to run calendar and, and all this stuff. And I bet you that all three of us, I don't know about you guys. Like, I just can't, I don't know how to train that person. I don't want, I don't, I don't know if that I can afford that person. If I had somebody who's like, look, I got free time. I can just basically be your, your right-hand man and believe in the operation it's like that's what people need it's, I have it's, that it's a person. but it's a big ask she's sitting right there 
and I pay her full time. And okay. then you well. said, and when you said, don't know how to train them, like, oh, I am still not using her to the point that I'm like, and so now I'm just getting to the point where it's like, here's this mess. Tell me if you have questions. And that's actually been amazing. Um, she's taking things off my plate for sure. But there's, you know, to your point, we talked, you mentioned earlier, scheduling videos, scheduling blog posts. Like I'm teaching her how to write, how to put blog posts on the internet now. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's not like if somebody knew how to do that, had experience doing that, came to me and was like, I'm going to do this for you. That would be amazing. I'm doing the teaching training and I don't know what I need. And so I'm, it's a painful process for me. Yeah. yeah. In my, in my, in my life. So my wife has taken these tests. She is incredibly high detail. Like everything through her day is scheduled and she is photographic memory and she's just check, 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 check on point and everything is neat in her life and organized. So that helps me in my personal life In my business. I have Ashley and she's our operations director and she's also a high D high detail person. And you know, she's cleaning up a lot of, you know, she's stopping me as I'm just spewing nonsense to the the team. And she's like, wait a minute, like, okay, let's dig into that a little more detail. And, you know, I'm like, no, it's going to be great. Let's go hundred miles an hour, press the gas pedal. Yeah. Um, so know, it actually, they force you, they force you to do what you need to do. Yeah. It sounds like, uh, I don't have any of those people. I, uh, I decided I didn't need an assistant. I needed a boss. That's what I needed. <laughs> um, Ultimately also gets you the details organization and everything else yeah jeremy's detailed um um and and bob's detailed uh but but a lot of times it's so funny um on the other side you know when it comes to like communications like brand communications and ideas and like out inbound marketing and things like that like they need a boss they need me to be like you're you need to do this you need to do this you need to do this and so um in addition to all the other things that we're telling people like hey approach you know adam or approach david and do this thing they you also have to be assertive enough to say i'm going to do this for you and then i'm going to tell you i'm going to tell you how to do it right and so you have to not just you know bring that value and 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 bring um you know that labor you also have to say i know I know this. I know your. I know your flaws, and I know your needs well enough to know that I know how to fix it, and you have to listen to me. And so that's just to build some trust. Yeah, it's huge. Adam, what so do you think? Easy. What do you What do you think? Like biggest takeaways in the last six months or eight months or however long it's been since taking over a company, right? Like you've had to hire people and fire people, and like this whole new world to you. Uh, that's a big leap. You know, entrepreneurship's one thing, but taking over somebody's baby and running with it and having to change things to your way, but not destroy their baby. Right. Like that's a whole new beast. What kind of things have you learned throughout that journey that you think are uh, like, man, I wish someone had told me that before. Yeah. Probably like three major lessons um, from a tactics perspective. And particularly when you're doing, you're looking for off market deals and you're doing marketing there's always a conversation. There's always a two sides of the coin. Is marketing is your outbound marketing more more important, or is your sales more important? Right? It's like the chicken before the egg. Well, if I don't do marketing, there is no sales. Um, where I fall on that is uh, sales. Good sales is like so critical to convert leads. You could drive all the leads in the world. You got to be able to convert them, and I think that applies more than just to like a wholesaling or flipping company. That's like really any outbound marketing that you're trying to convert, even if it's raising capital and having conversations to help raise the six million bucks. Like you got to convert those people into dollar bills, right? Um, the other thing, and it's not just me, I'm having conversations with a lot of other business owners. Like, A, players settle for nothing less in your business and the people you surround yourself with. Like, you will only go so far with A minus B players. Like you have to find A players if you want to take it to where you believe it can go. Like that is the most um <clears throat> that's a big critical one. thing. That's, that's that's good. That's really insightful actually. And and you have to be ruthless in that and be ruthlessly honest with yourself. Like Ah, uh, yeah, but they're bringing in revenue, and it's going to be a real headache to put somebody else in that seat. Well, good, do it because it's going to pay off in the long run. Don't be short-sighted. 
And then the the last thing that I'm realizing I'm still learning is uh, the accountability piece. And I don't mean like your your military accountability buzzword. I mean accountability in a business, meaning people are assigned to a seat with a clear role and responsibility, and they have a scorecard of things that they are held accountable to. So in order for our business to get here, there's some type of funnel, right? Starts at the top. What are those things or activities or numbers we got to hit? Who's responsible for them? Then it goes down to the next person. Where does it go then? Okay. What are the things, activities or numbers they got to hit? And then you have to check in on that weekly. We use, uh, we're using the traction book. Everybody's familiar with traction. We use their level 10 meetings and that model. And that model lends itself to that. But it's, it's critical because if you're not measuring something, there's really nothing to hold anybody accountable on. Like, I can't just be like, Alex, I brought you in to do a good job. And I don't feel like you're doing a good job. You're like, fuck off, man. Climb Capital uses the system. I've actually not read the book, but I'm, it's on my list now because they use, you know, I want to know what, I don't know what the, what the heck I'm doing, right? I'm now using this process that I don't know about. Unacceptable. So I'm going to go read this book and they use this, you know, level 10, these rocks, all these things. And uh, on the on the project management software they have, every day at 4.30, I get an email that says, what did you do today? And I like that for me because I'm a very, uh, I have a hard time self-accountability. I'm driven by, I'm literally, it's part of my extroversion where I'm like, oh, we're all hanging out together. I am not going to let you see me. I'm going, it's not that I'm competitive it's as much as it's like, well, I'm not competitive when nobody else is around, but when we're around, I'm, oh, I'm definitely competitive. And so I love it because I'm like, now I get to, I get to, I look at it every day. I'm like, I get to brag. Look how much I did. It's like the old, uh, what's the, like the old, like, Hey, there's a morning crew and a day crew or a night crew. And the boss comes in and he, they have to make, you know, 10 widgets a month and they're only making like three or, or 10 a day. And they're only making three. And the boss comes in and writes a big chalked six on the ground at the end of the their day shifts. And then the night shift is like, Oh, what's the six? Oh, that's how many day shift got done today and then now night shift is doing you know seven it's like the subconscious like when you set those goals right you want to outperform other people it, it creates that competition you want to oh he got three appointments i want to set four appointments and yeah put it out there it's, a, right. it's the same it's the same thing we preach this time of year to everybody like set goals make them smart goals and and have a way to measure your progress because that's how we work as humans alex i would say um, my recommendation to you is to read the book called Get a Grip because it's a parable that explains the whole process, but it's not as dry as traction itself. Traction. You think that well, I'm averse to, to, to dry books? Uh, Look, I know you hey. like, I know you like <laughs> Get a Grip books. has pictures. I, I, know you, I know you like dry books, Alex, uh, but it's more like the book traction is more of like a, a guide, a how-to, a playbook. It's not really, it's just like, oh, step one, step two, step three. But hearing it and uh, hearing or reading it and get a grip really, I think, in my opinion, brings it, brings it home because it's, it's like a story of people going through the process. And so also Gino reading. Wickman as well. Yep. Yeah. I haven't read right. that one. I'll have to grab I got them both. I've read the I gotta other finish two. With, I got to finish with, I'm reading Moby Dick right now, which is not going to help me in my business, but man, what a book. Nothing like but I'll do, I'll do these two next. You know what actually is interesting about that book? Anybody here um, think that obsession is a good way to get your stuff, your life accomplished? I did until about 30 seconds from now. Bro, I've never <laughs> understood obsession before. Like I understand now, thanks to Moby Dick. Well, that didn't change. My um, mind. <laughs> um, dude, that's really, those are really good insights, Adam. I'm very grateful that you shared those with, with us. That's really useful stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I've now read Traction. Well, there's my question for you, right? Because you guys have one of these magical people who shows up and helps you actually do traction. So I've read it twice <clears throat> and I have done some of it. Uh, at what point uh, did you, were you doing traction in your personal business before you took over blackjack? Like, cause where I struggle is I have, you know, two employees and some VAs and it's like, I'm not really at a point where, where traction makes perfect sense yet like parts of it do but i'm not where it's like i feel like like half the stuff that's in it just feels like okay well this is pointless right now 
at what point is it like, I don't know. I've heard people say I should jump in now. Yeah. Dave, what I would do is I would get a hold of one of these traction implementers and ask them, do you think I'm the, do you think I'm the right fit based on where my business is at and where I see it going? And Adam Whitney dropping mad wisdom. I can't believe you didn't want to, I can't believe you didn't want to have him on this show. (laughs) You said they were called what? Traction, uh, traction uh, EOS integrator. There's, there's a, there's a slew of them. I can get you some recommendations after this, Dave. Adam, I, can, he, I can't believe he almost didn't want to have you on the show. What, a, what a travesty! <laughs> I've been trying yeah, to add him on this it, show for like years, and he has this thing called the Marine Corps, and apparently he's better than us. I don't know. It, it's weird. I, I only had to send a five hundred dollar check. I sent two couple hundred dollar checks and he wouldn't let me on still so i had to up don't worry your thirty five hundred dollar guaranteed forex return will be on its way soon <laughs> one million dollar value <laughs> only 99 dollars. oh what a deal. adam i mean i don't know if i want to jump into the like ending questions we always ask everyone what oh i that? do because it's like christmas well at least now we know who really delayed getting you on the show adam uh <laughs> okay fine so if an e1 e2 young service man service woman service they were to walk up to you sorry uh and ask you for advice right what what do you like what's the one thing you wish you'd known when you got started in real estate or or even just life advice yeah i think uh for me it would just be if, if they're asking me for advice it means they're probably motivated and driven so i don't need to necessarily give them that but be patient and stay consistent right alex i thought you drew a great parallel. Like it's going to take me 10 years to get to where I want to be. Right. There's, I can't remember the generic saying, I think Bill Gates said it, you, you overestimate what you can do in one year, but you underestimate what you can do in 10 years. There has not been a point along the journey that I haven't looked back and went, wow, that was like, we did a lot, a lot more than I thought. And there's the whole time I'm moving, I'm thinking I'm not going far enough. I'm not going fast enough. So be patient, stay consistent and take an action. And if you are taking those actions, like it will materialize. If you are consistently taking action to your point earlier, Alex, like you're constantly networking, the good thing opportunities will come. And that opportunity will probably look different than what you think it is today. You're right. It's consistency. I mean, it's, that's it right there. That's what it's all about. All right. Uh, resource. What's one uh, book, course, website, resource, podcast, whatever that you would recommend to anybody looking to get started in real estate? Yeah. So I've got a book up here. Uh, it's the No Bullshit Guide to a Military Life. And that's why he's on the show, you shill. <laughs> oh, disgusting. No, uh, so I'm gonna give I'm gonna give a couple books. I, I truly mean I truly mean that. I think uh, particularly for our military audience and the, the younger folks who are like, how do I be better and change my life? Like that is a great starting point. Dave did a great job putting that together. <laughs> Even though I didn't get an advanced copy, I'm not bitter about it. I just didn't get it. You know what I mean? Um, Apparently, my following isn't big enough. So the other the other book I'd say uh, from a leadership perspective that I feel like enough people don't talk about is the book Legacy about the All Blacks. Uh, they're a rugby team. That book encompasses every leadership lesson or leadership book you could ever read. And I'll tell you what, if you model your life around that, you, you're going to go far. One, And I'll just say one of my favorite parts is this part in legacy where they talk about sweeping the sheds and you know you're you're in a leadership position but you're willing to go get your hands dirty and do the hard work with the team is going to go the team is going to go a much longer way for you at that point and for your organization uh they are the rugby team just not just a oh sorry i'm probably the only guy who's ever even watched rugby here yeah you suck Hey, I played in high school because I was. Hey, um, couldn't play. Football. I would like to. I would like to to interject and say a uh, a resource that has recently changed my life. I, Adam, I think it it did good for you too. Is um the War Room? Yeah, I am singing the fucking War Room's praises these days because I did not. 
I, it, you know, if, for people who don't know, I would not have closed my 52 unit if it wasn't for Jeremy. And I met him through the war room and I would have not joined climb capital if I wasn't in the war room. So, and now, um, I think best of all of maybe in my entire life, the most, like the coolest thing in my whole life is I'm going to see tool in January with another tool fan. And I met that tool fan from the war room. So highly, highly, highly recommend. Yeah. I think, uh, if I could just comment on the war room, cause I'm, I'm like, I'm like member one or two, like, I don't know why I joined these clowns, but I was like, <laughs> yeah, that sounds good to me. I'll do it. Um, I've been with the same group for two years. We do not miss days. We meet once a week in our particular team. And in my group, I've got, um, two really amazing Navy guys who've been in for a long time. I've got, um, a COO of a, of a major fitness company. And since we started together, you know, there's just a bunch of great humans, but since we started together, we've added like 50 doors to our collective group and multi millions of dollars of equity. It's just like, we looked back probably a month ago and we're like, well, what have we done? Have we even done anything in two years? And then we're like, Oh my goodness, look at this group of people. We should have uh, a yearly war room Olympics and see like what, and like measure squad to squad. That'd be cool. It was actually one of the original things we tried to do. If you go back and watch the uh, like introduction to war room, like the first ever zoom call where we said like, welcome aboard. Uh, we wanted to try to do like net worth per squad. And I don't, I think we were measuring cash flow. Yeah, it was something like that. And I don't remember exactly what happened with it, other than probably the fact that I'm not detail oriented and it's a great idea that no one else came along and helped me finish. There's an opportunity for somebody listening who's like, you know, I want to add some value. Um, you can, I bet you, if you did a lot of the organization, I bet you David would give you a free membership. Probably. Yeah. yeah. I bet you, I, I bet you, I could, I bet you, I could negotiate. I know him pretty well. I bet you, I could negotiate that deal. If you added a lot of value. Yeah. Uh, there's the. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The war room, man. It's a war room. room. One Dave, of those I really wish you had like a website or something that. Yeah. I wish you had something. Jesus. God. I wish you had something. First rule of fight club is. Um, we need a rule. We need to set rules like that. The first yeah, rule we're, of war we're, room is. We're trying to figure out how to get the website going in such a way that we wouldn't have to. If we replace Teachable, it becomes a logistics nightmare, right? So uh, we're trying to find a way to incorporate and still have everything that makes sense. But should have a website up here soon, hopefully. Uh, actually, I'm I'm about to do a deal or in the process of doing. Actually, I got a couple deals. One of the guys in your group, Marty. Marty and I have done. We bought some tax liens together. We just listed one for sale. We just wrote another offer for 27 units yesterday after the same offer got denied the day before and we tweaked some things, but, um, Marty, Marty went from like owning a coconut to owning 15 properties since we started or something crazy. That Marty's these good people, he's good people. They're all good. He's people. A, he's okay. Adam, where can people get a hold of you? Um, I'm on social media, all of it. Look up Adam Whitney, um, most active on Instagram. So, um, I think Aren't it's official like Adam Whitney. I was going to say, it's like the real Adam Whitney or official Adam Whitney or something fancy like that. Yeah, it turns out Adam Whitney, it was already taken. So I had to add a qualifier on that. So, you know, you couldn't have gone but it's all good because I, I am the official Adam Whitney. Like it doesn't get more official than that because I said it. Yeah. Until someone makes official underscore Adam Whitney and gets a blue mark on Instagram. And then now you look like a crappy person. And then I'll sell him my handle for hundred thousand bucks. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Dude, thanks for joining us today. Always fun to hang out with you. Always fun to talk to you. Um, you know, I'm glad we got to meet in, in Cali. I'm glad we got to hang out in Florida. It's always a good time. Florida was dope. I wish that you had, you know, found it in your heart to take your freaking RV and stop by and hang out with Marty and I when you drove through my state and didn't want to hang out with your squad, but you know, like <laughs> Marty and I were trying to figure out if we could drive all the way up to KC to see you, but it was just bad day for it. Some of us do things during the week that they should stop doing because they say they have financial freedom, but keep working anyway. 
Yeah, man. Glad to glad to come on. Um, you know, I've got immense respect for both you and Alex, believe it or not. And yeah, I don't believe uh, it. Hard, hard to believe. Misplaced. <laughs> proud, I mean, proud, me, uh, I get me, I get, but <laughs> proud to proud to call you guys friends and, and be in your circle. So yeah, man, right back at you. Oh, this is fun. This is good. I, Alex, I uh I like the non-interview style, just fun. Fun conversations this goes a lot. uh i would love to get uh, listener feedback because um i you know we've talked about this a few times where there's definitely some let's say uh i'll put this as diplomatically as possible there's some logistic friction with doing uh interview style new guests 52 times a year um there's definitely a, an easier um this makes for an easier format you me and, and a friend uh, more often than not, but I want to make sure that we are adding value. I think this was actually a lot of value in this in this episode, and I think there's a lot of value in um, the last episode we did with that person. That was a really good show. And who was it, Dave? <laughs> it was a good show. But I don't I know which. I don't now. know which show he's talking about. The one we just recorded a couple of days ago. Um, it was a good show, and I remember it being super valuable. But like, I'm just drawing a blank on the name. It's somebody that we know and Deep love. Shaw. Oh, fuck, uh. Paul Thompson, he was great. Oh, that one, yeah. It was great, and so it was just us BSing, uh, not BSing, but just the, the the problem is with the interview style is we spend the entire time doing like, who are you? Tell us your story, and that's great. But then we can't get into second tier and third tier level ideas, and so I find this to be a lot more um, a lot more engaging, and it's a lot easier for me, um, and I think David to have a a more interactive and and a. Um, a more useful conversation, but I would really like for listeners to make that known what their preference is, because I do care more about the listeners, the, the viewers than anything. And so I want to make sure that I feel like these are more valuable because I feel like um, it's a format that I can be more engaging. I feel like the, the, the guest um, gets to, to bring a lot more value and have, a like I said, the second and third tier ideas. And so we get a lot deeper. Whereas if you just do an interview and an introduction, you kind of get that surface level um, meeting of somebody. So I'd love to have listener feedback on this new format, and then we're going to do whatever we feel like, but I would like to know. (laughs) And on that note, where we talk to you for two minutes about something and then tell you, we aren't going to listen anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, Adam, thanks for joining us, man. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to another episode about my journey from military to millionaire. If you liked it, be sure to visit from militarymillionaire.com slash podcast to subscribe to future podcasts. While you're there, we'd love for you to rate the show, give us a review on iTunes. Now get out there and take action.